Good morning, everyone. Oh, happy Chinese New Year, by the way. All right. Um, Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year. In, well, in Chinese, it's also called the Spring Festival, Chunjit. It uh, marks a new beginning, and everybody's looking forward to spring, where everything is made new. And so I'm reminded, actually, of, of when I was growing up in Hong Kong. As a kid, uh, my Chinese nanny would take me up to the uh, rooftop uh, on Chinese New Year's Eve, and she would teach me this nursery rhyme that she had learned when she was growing up in southern China that went like this. My lan, my lan, my don't need some some man, yen lan ngo but lan. Well, translated into English, it actually meant laziness for sale, laziness for sale. Right, all the way into Chinese New Year's Eve. Other people may be lazy, but not me. Right, so this actually arises out of a, um, a, a desire to get rid of old habits, bad habits, to ready ourselves for something new, uh, to, to be ready for, to start fresh. So on this Chinese New Year, I'm wondering how might you need a fresh start? Are there things that you want to sell? Are there things you want to get rid of? Now, before we dig into God's Word, allow me to pray for us. Laziness for sale, God, but unfortunately, I don't think anyone is buying. But Father, we thank you that you purchased us, sins and laziness and all, by the blood of the Lamb. But Jesus, on the cross, you purchased us for yourself. And today you have transformed us, and you want to ready us to be a people that is set apart for you. Speak to us this morning, O Lord God, a word of encouragement, a word of challenge about how we ought to live in this life. Speak to us a word of courage, perhaps even speak to us a word of comfort. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. Hey, it's so great to be here. Thank you for having me here at SP. Thank you, Pastor Sam, for that introduction just now. Hey, I'd like to share with you God's Word this morning uh, from the book of Joshua. So if you have a Bible, please open it to Joshua chapter 1. We'll read through the whole passage from verse 1 to verse 18. Well, let me read it for us. Let me even see the words. Now it came about after the death of Moses... I'll just read it from, from my Bible. All right. Let me start all over again. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I've given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness to this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, 
and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the midst of the camp, and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you are to cross this Jordan, to go and to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you, to possess it. To the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God gives you rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But you shall cross before your brothers in battle array, all your valiant warriors, and shall help them, until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he gives you. And they also possess the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to your own land and possess that which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. The answer Joshua, saying, All that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your command and does not obey your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, the book of Joshua, it basically chronicles the conquest of Canaan about the people of God entering into God's promise. And it opens with these words in verses 1 and 2, saying, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. In other words, God's first words recorded in this book are these words, Moses is dead dead. Now, who didn't know that? Can you imagine the people listening to this? Who didn't know that Moses was dead? The guy who actually had led them for 40 years out of Egypt into the wilderness. For 40 years, this leader, this rock is now dead. Did God actually have to remind them? Was God just stating the obvious now, I don't think God was being redundant. I think God was really just expressing, verbalizing their anxiety. 
What do we do now? Moses is dead. What now? I'm, I'm sure people were frozen in their tracks, not knowing what would happen next. Perhaps today, your Moses is dead. Maybe you've gone through a rough season, as Pastor Sam was talking about. Maybe you've experienced personal loss, something that gave you security, stability, is now gone. Maybe the passing of a loved one. Maybe uh, an investment that went belly up. Or maybe something that terrible has happened in your family or at your workplace or maybe even in your church. Your Moses is dead. And so you're going through disappointment, maybe disillusionment, maybe discouragement. But the same God who spoke to Joshua and the Israelites some 3,500 years ago still speaks to his people. And as I was looking at this passage, I was praying and realizing maybe God wants to say some things to us today, his people. Maybe the first thing God wants to say is get moving. Let's look at verses 2 and 3 together. There God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I've given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. Here we see God giving the promised land to his people. In fact, as, as you read through this chapter 1 of the book of Joshua, you'd see God giving land. In fact, eight times it occurs in this passage. In verse 2, in verse 3, I'm giving it to you. Then in verse 6, I'm giving it to them. Verse 11, I'm giving it to you. Verse 13, I give you this land. In verse 14, I gave you. In verse 15, twice giving it to them, I gave you. All this time we see God giving, giving, giving. God giving, that's, that's basically grace. It's not because the people of God were holier. It's not because they did the right things. It's not because they're prettier or better looking. It was God's grace. Because of a promise God had made with their ancestors, God was now giving them this promise. They could enter into the promised land. Just like for us today, it is grace that we are saved. Because of a promise, because of a covenant, not because we're more beautiful, even though SP here, every week I hear Pastor Sam says, hey, turn around to the person next to you and say, hey, beautiful, and you are beautiful. <laughs> but it's not because you're more beautiful. It's not because you are better than other people. It's not because you're holier than thou. It's because God is gracious, that he saved us through the cross of Jesus Christ. God says, I'm giving this to you because of my grace. But the people of God cannot just sit there and not do anything. Because when God gives, we need to take. 
Let's look at verse 11. There it says, within three days. Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, oh. Within three days you are to cross this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you. To possess it. Possess, the word in the Hebrew, yarash, it could be translated as to inherit or to dispossess, which means something that somebody owned, you go and take it. In other Bible versions, it actually translates as to take possession of. In other words, when God gave the land, the people were supposed to take it. You're not just supposed to sit there and let it happen automatically. That God's people had to work for the gift. Now you might be thinking, hey, I thought we're saved by grace, not by works. Indeed, we are saved by grace. It's totally a gift. We didn't work for it. But you still had to work. Let me give you an example. Let's say I wrote you a $1 million check. And I said, here, take it. Well, I'll give it to you. Yeah, you want it? <laughs> right, if I gave this to you and, and you just took it in your hand, do you have a million dollars? Not really. You have to take it and not just take it and put it in your pocket. You're not just taking it and put it in, in somewhere in, the, in a closet or in a drawer. You have to take it to the bank. Otherwise, it's just a piece of paper. In the same manner, when God gives, we have to act by faith. The spiritual disciplines of receiving God's grace. It's not just sitting there and let God do everything. You see, faith is not a passive thing. Faith is active. It's not automatic. We have to work. We have to actually make it happen for our lives. And sadly, many Christians today rely on what we call cheap grace. We just want to sit on our hands, let God do everything. It's really just laziness, which we need to sell on Chinese New Year's Eve. But maybe it's not because of laziness. There are many Christians today, and maybe even some of us here, we've just lacked that motivation. Maybe because our Moses is dead. You've gone through a rough time, maybe a rough year, or maybe a rough few years, and you know that, hey, I, I just don't have the motivation to go on anymore. Maybe it's, it could be something with the finances. It could be with the politics. You're just not happy. You're not a happy camper here. It could even be because of personal failure. You've lost that drive. You've lost that motivation. But I tell you, my brothers and sisters, God knows. And God is saying to you, I know your Moses is dead. But get back on your feet. Start moving again. God has given you the promised land and you need to now take possession of it. 
There are still old battles to fight. There are new work to accomplish. If you do not move forward, you're actually going backwards. Just like a fish swimming against the current. If you stop, that means you're going backwards. That's what backsliding is. If you don't move forward, you're going backwards. You see, faith is active. You can't just sit around and wait for things to happen. So push start your faith. The road may be long, and people say a journey of a thousand miles begins with what? A single step. Start moving again. Now, I know some of you might be saying, hey, Pastor Ian, I've moved. It's not like I stood still. Look at that road. I actually have accomplished something. I've done something. I've moved, and I'm somewhere. But where are you today? Well, let me tell you a story. Over 2,000 years ago, there lived a uh, young Greek artist by the name of Timanthes. He studied under a respected tutor, and the, the teacher's efforts seemed to have paid it off, uh, seemed to have, uh, well, paid off when Timanthes came up with an exquisite work of art. But sadly, Timanthes was so enraptured by his own painting that he spent day after day just gazing at it, doing nothing else. Now, one morning, Timanthes arrived again to go and to admire his own painting, but he discovered that painting had been blotted out with paint, destroyed. Angry, Timanthes ran to his teacher who admitted that he had destroyed the work. I did it for your own good, the teacher said. It was retarding your progress. Now start over and see if you can do better. Well, Timanthes took his teacher's advice and started over. Eventually, he came up with the sacrifice of Iphigenia, which is regarded as one of the finest paintings of antiquity. You see, God in this passage is saying the same thing to his people. A little victory is not enough. Let's look at verses 12 to 15 together. To the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God gives you rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you beyond the Jordan, but you shall cross before your brothers in battle array all your valiant warriors and shall help them until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he gives you. And they also, and they also possess the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to your own land and possess that which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. Here Joshua was speaking to the two and a half tribes, Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh. You see, as Israel was coming in through the wilderness to possess the promised land, they actually won the land right on the east side of the Jordan. And recorded for us in Numbers chapter 32, the book of Numbers, 
It said that Moses gave the two and a half tribes that, pat, that piece of land, the land of Jazer and Gilead. And these two and a half tribes settled there. They're called the Transjordan tribes. And they were allowed to leave their wives, their children, and their livestock there. But Moses made them promise that one day they had to go with the rest of the other nine and a half tribes into the other side of the Jordan to take possession of Canaan. And so here we see in verse 14, your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you beyond the Jordan, but you shall cross before your brothers in battle array, all your valiant warriors, and shall help them. They had conquered the land on the other side. Yes, they had some victory, but it was not enough. They had to go and claim all of God's promise. And lest these two and a half tribes, their fighting men, would go in with a half-heartedly thinking, ah, we'll just trail behind them because who cares? If they lose, we already have land. We can always go back to our land on the, the other side, the, uh, the east side of the Jordan. And so Joshua made them go before, in front of all the other armies. In battle terms or military terms, they had to take point. That is, when you're a platoon actually goes into battle, you know, those people who actually are walking in front, taking point, they're drawing all the fire. They're drawing all the attention, in other words. They're like the walking target. Just so that you would not trail behind and go half-heartedly, you have to give it your all. You see, faith is not only just active. Faith is costly. At every point in our lives as a Christian, we have to give our best, our all. Otherwise, it's not, it doesn't work. Now, my friends, some of us might have traveled far. We might, have, we might think that we've already made significant progress in our spiritual journeys, but don't be a Timanthes. Don't just live in our past hubris. I know that here at SP, we are you're very, very spiritual people. You've done a lot. You, you fast every, every January. But remember, everything up to this point is in the past. What are you going to do from this point? Don't be a Timanthes wallowing, basking in your past successes. Many of us have been Christians for decades, but you know as well as, well as I do, there's still unresolved issues in our lives. There's still more ground to take. There's still new challenges and new responsibilities. And lest we do it half-heartedly, God calls us to take point, to work hard. Because at every point in our spiritual journey, we have to risk it all. Otherwise, we don't have to exercise our faith. Faith is costly. Don't settle for just a little bit of victory and lose the war. So push start your faith because a little victory is not enough. 
Now, many of us are familiar with this chapter, Joshua chapter 1. And many people actually call this uh, passage the passage of be strong and courageous. Because this phrase occurs in this, in this chapter so many times. In verse 6, God says, be strong and courageous. God was saying to Joshua. In verse 7, be strong and very courageous. In verse 9, be strong and courageous. Verse 18, be strong and courageous. Now, why does it happen so many times in this passage? Why was it spoken to Joshua so many times? Be strong, be courageous. Can you imagine if you were Joshua? Why would you need to hear these words? Well, because you just received this task. You're, the, you're succeeding Moses. You're now the leader of the people of Israel because Moses is what? Dead. How many people were there to lead? A little bit over two million. Do you know how many two million people is? That's basically the entire population of Kowloon. That's two million people. Imagine if you were Joshua, what would be, what would be some of your anxieties? What would be some of your fears? Now, if I were him, I'd be thinking, Moses is dead because he couldn't get over here. He messed up. And he wasn't allowed to go into Canaan. What if I messed up? What if I don't even get to make it? Or how would I lead to two billion people? That's a lot of people to lead. I wouldn't have GPS or sat-nav. Where do I go? Do I go to the left or do I go to the right? How do I lead these people across the Jordan? What if I went left and it turned out to be the wrong way? When, how do I turn people around? If my GPS says, well, turn around when possible, right? It doesn't happen. How do you turn two million people around if I hit a dead end? And so some of us are in that position as well. And God is saying to us today, well, easy, stay on the straight and narrow. Stay on the straight and narrow. Let's look at verses 7 to 8. There, Joshua is told, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. You see, faith is not only active. Faith is not only costly. Faith is focused. Basically, God was saying to, to Joshua, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you're going to left or to right. What matters is you do not veer to the left or to the right of my word, of my commands, of my will. As long as you're true to my word, God says, then I would give you, in verse 3, every place on which the sole of your foot treads. It doesn't matter if you went left, if you went right, 
as long as you do not depart from my word, I will bless wherever you go. Now, some of us today, as I said, may be standing at the crossroads. You just don't know how to move forward because the future seems bleak. All your options, you question. You don't know where they're going to lead you. You're thinking, what should I do? What if I make the wrong choice? Now, here's the theological principle. Check all your options. Check all your choices against Scripture. If the Bible says, do this, and then do it. If the Bible says, don't do it, then don't do it. If your choice leads you away from God's law, then it's not the right choice. If your choice passes the scrutiny of the Scriptures, then it is a good choice. Now, let me elaborate on this a little bit more. Um, when I was uh, a young man studying uh, in Hawaii, as Pastor Sam was, was saying, I had a, a mentor, Dr. Robert Owen Neff. He was uh, the teacher at the Bible Institute of Hawaii where I was taking some classes after I finished, from, finished college. I was just taking some classes just to get to know the Bible a little bit more. Dr. Neff became my mentor and eventually a very close friend until his passing two years ago. I remember as a young man, I would go to Dr. Neff to ask him all sorts of questions from the Bible and questions that would help me in life. I remember one time asking Dr. Neff, Dr. Neff, is there such a thing as the one? Well, Dr. Neff said, what do you mean? Uh, back in those days, there was no matrix, all right? So we don't, when we're talking about the one, that's not what we're talking about. I meant, I said, Dr. Neff, I mean the marriage made in heaven. Is there a one, the one person I'm supposed to marry? And Dr. Neff said, of course there is. So, of course, naturally I asked, Dr. Neff, how do I know who is the one? Well, Dr. Neff said, whoever you bring to the altar. <laughs> I said, really? Yeah, Dr. Neff said, of course. I said, how do I know if that's the one? He said, because when you bring that person to the altar and make your vows to God, that, at that time, that person is the one. You don't have to worry about it. That is the person. That is the marriage made in heaven. So my next question naturally would be, how do I know whom to bring to the altar? <laughs> Dr. Neff said, what do you mean? I said, There's, there are a lot of fish in the ocean. <laughs> what if I'm trying to date these different girls, girl A, girl B, girl C? How do I know which one is the one I should bring to the altar to be the one? And Dr. Neff said, well, then examine all the choices, all those relationships according to Scripture. Is there a relationship that would draw you away from God? Then it's not, that's not the one. Well, I said, Dr. Neff, let's say there's girl A and there's girl B. Let's say both of them are equally, they don't draw me away from God. Um, in fact, both of them help me in my relationship with God. How do I know if, if it's, it should be girl A or girl B? And Dr. Neff said, well, then 
whichever girl you like more. Well, then I said, Dr. Neff, what if I like them both? <laughs> Dr. Neff said, flip a coin. <laughs> because the Bible says it doesn't matter. As long as it checks out with Scripture, as long as it's, it pleases God, whichever you pick, whichever direction you go, left or right, girl A or girl B, job one or job two, Whichever you take, God will bless it. And that would be the one. It's a principle that, that's guided me through, throughout life in finding my wife, in finding a job, in making decisions in life. The key is to not keep our focus on the choices, to not keep our focus on the problems, to not even keep our focus on ourselves, but to keep it on the object of faith. Not just the Bible, but the God whom the Bible points us to. And then God would bless. He would bless our ways. We'll be successful in all that we do. So push start your faith. Stay on the straight and narrow of God's Word. Now, you might be wondering, what does that even mean? Well, today's sermon title is, Push start your faith. You might be even thinking, well, yeah, we hear you say that a lot, Pastor Ian. What does that even mean? Well, as I was preparing the sermon, I was um, praying about this. I was thinking, what would, what would be a good title for the sermon? I, I didn't just kind of take it out from the air. But as I was praying about this, an image came to my mind. I was reminded of my first car. It was my second year in, uh, in college at the University of Hawaii, and I'd bought my first car so I could go on dates with my girlfriend, who is now my wife. It was a 1971 Toyota Corolla. It's not exactly this car. I just found this photo on, on Google. It looked worse than this one. <laughs> it was an old jalopy that I bought for $200 U.S., and the only thing that held the car together, I, I kid you not, was probably the rust and the sticky grime. Right? Everything just didn't work very well in this car because it was a cheap car. I just needed four wheels so I could take my girlfriend out on dates. Um, the, the radiator leaked. So after every 20 minutes of driving it, I have to pop the hood, pour in water into the radiator so it wouldn't overheat. Uh, the, the, the oil leaked. In fact, everything leaked. It was just an old car, and one of the things that always didn't work was the battery. And I was just a poor student, couldn't afford anything nicer, and I couldn't even afford to get it fixed or change a battery. So sometimes after a date, the car wouldn't crank, wouldn't start. So somebody taught me uh, a, what do, you call, what do you call this, a DIY, uh, there, there's a hack. If, if your car doesn't start, and if you, it only happens, only works with manual shift cars, okay? Um, if you're parked on a slope, it's called a, uh, a rolling start. Um, if you park on a slope and just put on neutral, let go of the handbrakes, and let the car roll, <laughs> when it actually gets to about five miles an hour, put it into second gear and just release the clutch. That would just drive the car, it would just engage the engine, 
and supposedly it would just crank it up and the, the, car, the engine would start. And if you leave it somewhere and just put it on neutral and let the, the engine run, it would recharge the battery. So it doesn't work with automatic cars. It doesn't work with Teslas, so don't try it at home, okay? <laughs> the, and the thing with, this is called a pop start, popping start a car. But why do I call it push start? It's because most of the time when I go out with my date, my girlfriend, I don't park on the slope. So when you're parking on just a regular flat ground, the car needs to, to roll. And so the same thing. You just have somebody push the car. You push it until it goes up to about like 5, 10 miles an hour. And that's engage in second gear, let go of the clutch, and boom. Right? It's supposed to drive the engine, and the, the engine would start. Well, the, the, the thing is, when, um, when I was dating my girlfriend, my wife now, uh, she didn't know how to drive. So it's not like what you see in the photo. <laughs> I would be the guy actually at the wheel, <laughs> and I made my wife go in the back, push. Right? <laughs> and it was not just one time. It was so many times. This, well, there was finally a time my, my 71 Toyota Corolla, it just totally conked out. I had to borrow my, my staff worker's car, which also happens to be a 1971 Toyota Corolla station wagon. Again, the battery went out. I said, honey, go to the back. <laughs> That's how I know she is the one. <laughs> well, as I was praying about this passage, this picture came to mind. And I realized that maybe for some of us, our faith is like that 1971 Toyota Corolla. Maybe your Moses is dead, you've lost motivation, and your faith is just sitting there, starting to rust, gathering dust. But God today is saying, get moving. I've given you life. I've given you salvation. Take it by faith. Maybe our faith is like this 1971 Toyota Corolla. It's done a lot of miles. You've gone a lot of places. But today, you're just stuck at this place, and God is saying, a little victory is not enough. It's time to get going again. Or maybe you're stuck at the crossroads, not knowing what direction to go. God says, it doesn't matter where, as long as you stay on the straight and narrow of my word, that I'll bless your ways. I will bless you and give you success. Do what God is calling you to do. And some of you are wondering, what is that? But I have a feeling you already know. I know that some of you have been fasting for over 20 days. Don't let your fasting be that one thing. It could be. But don't let it be the only thing you do this year to jumpstart your faith. I think fasting really gives you clarity of mind to hear what God is saying to you. Maybe God has been speaking to you for months, for weeks, about what you really should be doing. Now, unless God is telling you specifically to wait in this season to do nothing, 
and let God do something. Unless it is that, then maybe God is calling you to do something. The problem is many of us are waiting for something big, something heroic, when God has given us small tasks. He's put them in front of us and saying, do this. And we say, no, 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 I'll wait for the big thing. How can we be faithful in the big things when we're not faithful in the little things? So today, God may be just saying, hey, you need to study more. You need to read a book. Or maybe you need to change an attitude to forgive somebody. Maybe to let go of a resentment. Or maybe just God is saying, you need to take up some service, something you need to do. Other people are asking you, and you just keep saying, keep putting it off. Do whatever God is placing in front of you to push start your faith. You know, God says, be strong and courageous. The opposite of that is not to be weak and cowardly. In verse 9, it actually tells us what the opposite is. God says, do not tremble or be dismayed. That's the opposite. That's the opposite of being strong and courageous. To tremble, to be scared, or be dismayed, to be discouraged. God says, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So move aside. Let Jesus take the wheel. You go and push. Hey, I'd like to invite the worship team to come up. But while the worship team comes up to to prepare for the response song, I'd like to give us maybe a minute just to reflect, maybe to do some business with God. You might want to close your eyes at this point. Maybe God has been speaking to you, not just even this morning, but the last 20 days maybe, the last few months. And maybe God is saying to you, hey, you've been waiting for way too long. Your faith is just gathering dust. Is it time to start moving again? If you need to do, spend a minute just to do business with God. A little victory is not enough. Whatever choices you're looking at, Check it against Scripture. Stay on the straight and narrow, and God will bless your ways. The Bible says, "Trust, do not trust in yourself, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall make your path straight. God, teach us to know how to push, how to push start our faith. 
God, many of us have put our lives on hold, our faith on hold for maybe way too long. Yes, maybe our Moses is dead, but that does not give us any excuse to stop living, to stop trusting, to stop moving. God, because if we cease to move forward, then we fall backwards, we drift backwards. Just as people say, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Give us, God, the strength and courage to take that step, to get moving again. Even though we may have done a lot in the past, experienced a lot, maybe we've grown a lot, God, you want us to keep moving, keep growing, keep going. There's more ground to be covered, more growing to be done, maybe more classes to be taken, more ministries to serve in, more lives to be influenced. Indeed, a little victory is not enough. Help us to continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, just as in the past. Faith will be costly to us and will require all our effort. So God, help us to be strong and courageous. God, today you know that some of us may be stuck, not knowing whether to move to the right or to the left. God, help us to meditate on your word day and night so that we may know which direction pleases you and which one doesn't. If all our options would honor you, then help us to resolutely move out, trusting you will bless whichever way we take. As long as we stay on the straight and narrow and do not, do not veer to the right or to the left of your word, we are assured of your protection and your provision. So give us strength, give us courage in this Lunar New Year, in this Chinese New Year, in this year of 2023, help us to experience new graces. We don't have to fear because Joshua, the real Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus, the Christ, he is the real leader. He's gone on before us. He will lead us. So may our lives become a living sacrifice as we continue boldly in this journey. Help us, Lord God, to be strong and courageous. For we pray these things in Jesus' name.
rise to our feet. We're going to continue to uh, sing to the Lord and uh, as we wrap up our service. But you know, I'm mindful uh, today. Maybe you know, Pastor Ian's message uh, really resonated with you, and you realize, you know what? That's true. I need to push start my faith. I think I've been taking it a little too easy. Right, and you feel encouraged and inspired. But we want you to know you're not alone in this journey. You have a church that's behind you. You have people that are fighting with you. And if we could just do this, just simply just everyone close our eyes. And if this message really resonated with you, can you just lift your hand in the air, just nice and high. And we're just going to pray for you. Huh? And so you know how we do, SP, look around. If your hand's not raised, look around the room. Find somebody who's got their hand raised and just go and lay your hands on them. I encourage them, pray for them, lift them up before the Lord. And as soon as you feel that hand on you, you can put your hand down. But keep your hand up until you feel that hand on you. Okay, make sure everyone's covered. Well, let's pray for each other. Well, let's lift each other up. Just say, Lord, you're the leader. Jesus, you are the leader. Help my friend to follow you. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we, we resonate, God, with the message, Lord. Moses is dead. Lord, there are so many things in our life, God, Lord, that have died, Lord. Friendships, connections, dreams even, Lord. But Lord, we're grateful, God, that you have resurrection power. So come, Holy Spirit. Would you do something so deep within us, God? Lord, that even that loss in light of you, God, will look like gain. So come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we lay at your feet all the disappointments, all the pain. And we say, come and touch it, God. We recognize, Lord, that we've taken a back seat to our faith. 
as a result of those things. And now through Pastor Ian's encouragement, God, we want to push start our faith. Thank you, God. Lord, I pray, especially for my friends that raise their hands, God. Lord, you're doing something in their life. Lord, would you continue to encourage them? Would you continue to meet with them, God? Let them feel your presence. Lord, the next time they pray, the next time they open their mouth, the next time they read the Bible, Lord, let the presence of Jesus come into their room to encourage them and let them know, God, that they are on the straight and narrow. We thank you, God. We love you, Lord. We bless you. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And it be gracious to him. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, shalom, from this day forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.